So as some of you may or may not know, tomorrow is Christmas Eve. I hope you got the memo. And many of us will be traveling or going places and, and spending time with family and loved ones and getting together with, with those we care so deeply about. Family gatherings are nothing new. They're a common occurrence throughout human history. And today, that's simply what we get to peer into in the gospel reading. We get to look into a family gathering. The family gathering of Mary and Elizabeth. One that will be a little bit more significant than ours tomorrow. But hopefully makes our gatherings in the next couple days something of greater significance than they would otherwise be. Now we have to understand, uh, over the past couple weeks we've been looking at John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness, and now we go back 30 years when John is in the womb of Elizabeth, six months along in her pregnancy, and Mary has just received news that she is going to be great with child, with Jesus. And so the angel Gabriel comes to her, and at the end of this encounter with the angel Gabriel... The angel says to her, and behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has now conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. So Mary receives this powerful message, and then as a sign that that message is actually true, the Lord says, your relative Elizabeth, this barren woman in old age, something that you could laugh at, like Abraham and Sarah, is now a child. And so it says, Mary, with haste, goes to see if this sign is true. And we know that travel, uh, this, this journey was about 90 miles. And there is no message or, or mention of Joseph actually taking this journey with her. So she takes this journey, this 90-mile journey, new with child, across the wilderness to go see Elizabeth and see if this sign is true. And Mary shows up and she greets Elizabeth. And it says, by her very greeting, the baby in the womb of Elizabeth, John the Baptist, leaps. He's he's dancing with joy. And it says then that Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and she cries out in this loud voice. Now, again, for family gatherings, our family gatherings are loud. The objective is whoever is the loudest is the one who gets heard. So you just be louder, right? Maybe your families are like this, or maybe you don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But this idea of just being loud, and I love that Elizabeth cries out in a loud voice. She doesn't want to be silent about this. She needs to proclaim this. But the interesting thing is the Greek word there is more than just crying loudly. It actually is a word that means to intone, or to, it's, a, it's a liturgical phrase. She's singing a song of worship, of liturgy, to Mary. And she, she says these beautiful, beautiful words of blessing. She says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And this idea of blessing is incredibly significant. We, we talk about blessing all the time. And it's not just a church word. The internet loves blessings too. Everything's hashtag blessed. But, but this blessing is significant in, in ways we may not quite understand. There are two Greek words for blessing. One is eulageo, which is where we get the word eulogy. It means to speak high of someone, to glorify, to praise their name. And so we have that word for blessing. And then we have the other word for blessing, markuria, which is 
to, to be happy or joyful. So the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is a happiness. Here, Elizabeth is not using mercurio, which we expect. She's using this word eulageo. She's actually praising and glorifying and honoring Mary. Blessed are you among women. You are to be honored and praised. And then, blessed is the fruit of your womb. He is to be honored and praised, something that is reserved for the divine. She knows what is going on in Mary's womb is more than all the births before. It's not just about being happy. It's an act of worship. Because this baby, she already realized, this baby now conceived is worthy of praise because it is Jesus, the one who's... Whose name, at whose name every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. And this is exactly what Elizabeth is doing. Elizabeth's cry, Elizabeth's song is the first act of worship we see directed towards Jesus. A lot of you, if I would ask you today, the day before Christmas, who are the first people to worship Jesus? Most of us would answer the shepherds, or Mary and Joseph, or eventually the wise men, right? No, it was Elizabeth. Months and months prior, that is worshiping Jesus even in the womb of Mary. So that she says, and how does this happen to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me. The idea of Lord is is used only for the Lord God up to this point in Luke. Only to, to reference the Lord God, the divine one. And here Elizabeth uses it to reference the baby in the womb of Mary. He is the divine one who has come. So much so that Elizabeth needs to worship and John needs to preach. I find this absolutely fascinating. John is already preaching his first sermon. And he's still in the womb. And he's such a, such a strong preacher of the good news of the gospel that Elizabeth is converted and believes. This is marvelous. That the one who would preach in the barren wilderness now preaches from the womb of a barren woman. That Jesus has come. That the Lord is coming for us. For her. This is one of the most powerful, unbelievable, significant events in human history. And Mary becomes this fulfillment of of the presence of God. In In the Old Testament, the presence of God was in the tabernacle. The ark, or the ark of the covenant. In the Ark of the Covenant that would travel with the people, there's this understanding that this is where the imminent presence of God, the fulfillment of, of all of his Godhead, resides here for the people of God. And it's interesting, when the Ark had been lost at different periods of time in Israel history, during the reign of King David, the Ark is restored to the, the city of Jerusalem. And when the Ark comes into the city of Jerusalem, you know what David does? He leaps and dances for joy in front of the Ark. And you know what he says when the ark comes into the city? He says, how can it be that the ark of the Lord now comes to me? And there's all these parallels that are very fascinating between the ark of the covenant coming into Jerusalem for the first time and now Mary coming to Elizabeth. Mary becomes the ark because she is literally embodiment of the presence of God. God, the eternal one who can fill all things and fills all things, now resides And takes residence in the womb of a woman. This temporary dwelling place. And from that womb he will enter fully into this world for the sake of all humanity. That God would so humble himself for us. 
So that as David gives praise, now Mary, or now Elizabeth and John gives praise. That the presence of God, which had been lost, is now here again. And what's interesting is what's even in the Ark of the Covenant. There were three things in the Ark of the Covenant. The Ten Commandments. Aaron's rod symbolizes the priesthood. And the manna that fell from heaven in the desert. Jesus becomes the fulfillment of all those things. It's not just words now written on a stone tablet. He is the word made flesh for us. It's not just Aaron's rod which symbolizes the high priesthood. Jesus is the high priest, but not just the high priest. He is the sacrifice, the lamb who is slain. And the manna from heaven. That Jesus says, your fathers ate manna from heaven and they all died. I am the living bread that comes from heaven and whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, he has life and life eternal. Jesus comes to fulfill and become the fulfillment of all these things for us. This is, this child, even in the womb of Mary, is the God who's given us life. Even at the very point of conception, most fragile, meek and mild and precious. In that state, he is still almighty king of all the universe. And I love, Elizabeth brings it to a close. She said, blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. It might actually be a little dig at her husband. Because Zechariah heard the word of the angel Gabriel. He did not believe and he was struck mute for nine months. In fact, in this point of time, Zechariah is still mute. He doesn't get his voice back until eight days after the birth of John and his circumcision. Because Elizabeth names him John. And all the people say he must be named after his father. And finally the Lord gives him a voice so that Zechariah can say, no, he should be named John. So Zechariah didn't believe, but here Mary did believe. And Elizabeth said, blessed are you who believe. And here she uses the other word for blessing. Not this idea of glorification or worship. She uses markurion, happy or joyous. Happy or joyous are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And is that not true for all of us? Do we hear the words of the Lord, the promises of God, even today, and believe they are fulfilled? And if so, does it not just bring joy to our hearts? This is such a convoluted time because Christmas is supposed to be so joyous, but so often it's full full of strife and, and expectations that are left unfulfilled and trying to make everything perfect when it's not. The joy doesn't come from having a clean home with the perfect tree and wonderful decor. Getting the right gifts at the right time for the right kid. It comes from the fact that God took on flesh for us. Such a beautiful, beautiful image that comes to us. Salvation comes to us. And it turns everything upside down. Out of all the ways God could save humanity, He could... Snap his finger. He could say a simple word. He could do whatever he wanted to. He's God. He chose to use childbirth. He chose to use a woman. The very thing that was cursed in the beginning. To be filled and fraught with pain. Is now the the means by which God brings his salvation to us. So that even within Mary resides the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
the seed of Eve, who back in the garden was told your offspring will crush the offspring of the serpent. And that because of this, she brings, this child brings all people to her himself. Mary had to experience the pain of childbirth. And I don't mean to speak for all women at this moment, but I can't imagine that pain was anything compared to watching her son being crucified by us. To watch her son that she had given birth to and nurtured and cared and fed and loved to be crucified for us at only 33 years old. And the pain that Christ suffered was yet greater. But this is what we see in all this, that salvation doesn't come through our own perfection. Salvation comes through the suffering, pain, and death that then redeems those very things. Redeems the suffering, the pain, and the death in our life. These these heavy burdens we bear, the, the chains that we seem to wear of our own desire. He comes to break them and to redeem us and to free us and to give us life and life to the fullest. This woman is to be called blessed and her child is to be called blessed. But on the cross, it hardly seems like there's much blessing to be given. But it's right in that moment that Christ comes to us in all of his glory, raised high upon his throne, that his blood would be poured out for us, that we might have life and life to the fullness. It is the promised fulfillment of the Old Testament that even the prophet Micah said that he will come and what he will do is bring all of his people to himself, not just the seed of Abraham, but the seed of Ham and of Cain and all the sinners and broken ones because that's us. And he calls all people so all the earth would be in his reign. All the earth would know his salvation and come to him. And so that we too from the corners of the world, would come and worship and proclaim his holy name, that we, as we gather today, would say to ourselves, how does it happen to me that today my Lord comes to me? How does it happen that God would come here, of all places, to be with me, to be with my family? And it's overwhelming, and we we just bless the Lord, we sing songs, we glorify and honor his name. We leap for joy at the good news we hear proclaimed, that the word took on flesh, for us. And we even believe the words the Lord speaks to us today. Take, eat my body. Take, drink. This is my blood. The blood of the new and eternal covenant shed and given for you for the forgiveness of sins. So that even today, through the gifts we receive, He brings us into His family. His family gathering. Heaven. Resurrection. Life everlasting. So that we're part of his family eternal. We get to partake in his family gatherings. And I don't think it's one where you just shout over each other. It's one of praise and worship. And great joy. You see the reality is sometimes we can't just muster up joy in this life can we? It's hard. But we we cling to the promise of joy that is to come, which is eternal. And it all begins with this babe. It all begins with this babe who even in the womb of Mary, the presence of God dwelt and proclaimed the good news to mankind. 
Salvation is coming. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.